Okay, guys, welcome to a very special edition of the Mario Mancini Show with your host, you know, Mario it, Mancini. It, it kills me got... when you say, say that. It's the Mario Mancini yeah. Show. It's it's GP. Yeah. Yes, but um, we've, got your, we've got your first guest tonight. We've talked about doing this for a while, and we're going to get a few guys on from the business that you may hero, or may not. I'm in awe already. Well, listen, that you may I or may am, not cross paths with. I, I feel the same way, man, because, I, well, listen, I'm really excited for this because um, I've never spoken to anyone other than the guys that were over. You know what I mean? Oh, I've spoken to guys from other territories and everything, but it, 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 yeah. I never spoke to anybody who basically did the same thing I did week after week on TV. And we're proud of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, for another organization. So so um, I'm curious because this guy, I mean, out of the kindness of his heart, I don't know, you know, he did like a 28-minute documentary on me. And at the end... He said, uh, maybe this was Mario's problem. And then he showed Dusty Rhodes and he showed um, uh, Jerry Lawler, you know, and he's like, maybe he would have been better off going to these places instead of getting out of turning 18. And at six weeks after my 18th birthday, I, I went right to the land of giants. I went right to the WWF. I was 18 years and six weeks old, man. Wow. So, so I can't wait to ask these questions. So, <laughs> listen, I want you to picture in your head. Now, let me start off by saying this now. Let me start off by saying this. Two guys that I worked with, Ric Flair, not Ric Flair, um, Terry Funk and um, Harley Race. I worked with both of them and they said, listen, son, I don't beat nobody. I beat somebody. So you're going to have a lot oh. to do in there. Right. I got to beat somebody. They'd say, okay. Other than that, I mean, what year did you start? Um, I was, let me see, around 83, I think. Okay, same thing. With, and I'll be a couple I, years after you, because I remember I wanted to grow up to be like you, so. Yeah, no, because I broke in a year after you. I broke in in 84. Oh! I broke in 84. So, um, I was in Poughkeepsie, New York. And, and you got a picture in your mind in Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, you know, you go into that place and and it's literally, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's literally a hundred yards of hallway to the dressing room. Mm. I mean, it was forever, it was forever in Poughkeepsie Man Hudson Civic Center. That's where they did TV taping. And um, so walk in there and there's there's a, a big room, a, a big room with all chairs around in it, chairs, just chairs. At the end of it was a bathroom and the showers. But Randy, to the left were two rooms. And that room, those two rooms had recliners and couches in them. See the look on his face? See the look on his face, Maurice? Wow. 
he knows where I'm going with this. Right? It was hard enough finding a metal chair that would sit level. He knows where I'm going with this, right? So the real over guys got those rooms, and you weren't allowed to go in there. We weren't allowed to go in there. And, you know, most of us got dressed outside. Um, what was, was there a bigger camaraderie where you were a more of a respect for what you did, or was it extremely separated? Like it was for me, like when I see Valentine now, I go hammer. Why couldn't we be this close back then? And you go, oh, Mario's. It was just a different time. Me, Beefcake, you know, those guys. It's like, why couldn't we be, be this DiBiase? Well, Ted and I were pretty close. Um, there's the there's Big Daddy, man. There's another guy, brother of mine, for, for 38 years. Um, so, you know, was it that separated for you too, or was there a better camaraderie? I think initially it was the same experience. You know, the first time you go in, I mean, I've been a fan since I was like seven, eight years old, you know, yeah. kind of a historian type thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was raised in Detroit along with the Sheik and Bobo Brazil and Dick the Bruiser would come in old guys like that killer Kowalski. And uh, of course, then I made my way down to South. So uh, the first opportunity I got to do a, uh, TV, NWA at the time, before before uh, Crockett bought it, and uh, or before Turner bought it from Crockett. So here I am, like a kid in the candy shop. I mean, I'm walking in the locker room. I don't know anybody, you know, except one little goose that, that went with me, okay? So we're scared. I'm afraid to look at anybody, much less make eye contact with them. And I don't know how it was with you, but I didn't know any of these guys beforehand i mean i was really green so to walk into this big locker room i guess and you got ricky steamboat you got terry funk you got uh dusty Rhodes in there um all kinds of guys then you got jimmy Cornette running across there and paulie dangerously running the other way and then jabbing their mouths you know did you get to know them well Cornette or Heyman? A cornet. I met cornet. Well, I'm gonna tell you, uh, 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 Paul Heyman. I'm gonna tell you a horrible story. Um, <laughs> I met cornet at the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and and I was really impressed because I was walking toward uh, where the the inductions were gonna be, and he was coming off the bottom of an escalator, and I was walking toward him to shake his hand, and I put my hand out and I said. Uh, Jim Mario Mancini and he shook my hand. He goes, I know who you are. I went, mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You know, um, Paul Heyman, what a, what a great job on my part. So now he's just starting out. I mean, this is a skinny penciled, skinny kid with the eighties hairdo. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just starting out. And it's a Tony Altamar show. It's an independent show. We were running for a guy um, 
called Rocco La Penta out of Avon, Connecticut. And Gino Carabello and I were working the show, and here comes this kid, this well-dressed kid, looking like he's out of Saturday Night Fever with the hair. He had freckles, real pale face, thin as can be. I go, who is that guy? Who's that guy? <laughs> you know, goes, I don't know. So, you know, it's kayfabe. So I go up and go, hey, who are you? He goes, oh, Mario, I'm Paul. I go, get out of here. He goes, I just want to talk to the guys. I go, you're not allowed in here. Get out. Get out. He goes, Mario, you're going to kick me out. I go, get out. Happened another show. He came back in. I went back up to him. I said, I thought I told you not to come in here. You're not allowed in here. Get out. Kicked him out twice. <laughs> right? Big old Mario Mancini. I wa I started watching wrestling when I was seven years old. And the Me first too. wrestler ever the first wrestler I ever saw on that 12-inch black and white TV was Bruno San Martino. And I was hooked. I was I just followed Bruno. I mean 1977. You know, Billy Graham beats him for the heavyweight title, puts his two feet on the on the second rope, the pin him. You know, I I'm eleven years old. I'm in tears. I mean tears. Eleven years old in tears. So now it's nineteen eighty and there's there's an empty arena wrestling comes on. I'm fourteen, there's an empty arena. And Vince is sitting there with Bruno, and he goes, Bruno, you got something to say to the, your, your fans? And he said, yeah, I'm retiring. And that's when I looked at my family in the living room, and I said, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I'm going to wrestle for the WWF. I'm going to wrestle for them. And they said, are you nuts? I said, no, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to take Bruno's place. And that didn't happen. I took Frank Williams' place. So, <laughs> so. But so, you lived the dream, didn't you? Well, I but here's the thing, man. Just like you, right? So now, I go to Poughkeepsie. It's my first night, July thirty first, nineteen eighty four. I and, and Tony surprises us. Me, AJ Petrucci, Dave Barbie, and Seth Cohen, and says, "You guys are working tonight." What? What? Yeah, you're working tonight. Go see Gorilla Monsoon. What? Because he had the contracts. So I go down there, and there's. Piper, Snooker, Hogan, Morocco, Barry Windham, you know, Mike Rotundo, the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov. I'm like, oh, it's like they came right out of the TV because we're still marks, right? We're still marks. So I'm like, holy shit. I got this poker face on, right? So Tony Altamar brings me over to Strongbow and he goes, this is Chief J Strongbow. And I, I wanted to look at him and go, no shit. You know, <laughs> I said, hi, Mr. Strongbow. Uh, he goes, what's your name? I go, Mario Mancini. What do you want me to do? He goes, see that chair? Sit down and keep your fucking mouth shut. Don't say anything. So I'm sitting in a chair. Bruno and Fence come down with those yellow canary jackets they wore doing, doing yes, the commentary. Right. Bruno backs up. The back of his foot hits my 
the the toe of my boot. I go, he looks back and he goes, excuse me. I go. <laughs> and they walked away and I ran down that hundred yard hallway and I grabbed the payphone and I called collect home to my brother. And I said, I just saw Bruno. I just saw Bruno. He's like, did you tell him what he meant to you? I go, no, I don't have time for that. Uh, I did, he, he hit my boot, you know? Um. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, same thing. You yeah, know, the same. Thing was the same and, and mine the same way. Um, going, growing up as a little kid, like I said, with the Sheik, it was his territory at the time, I guess, Detroit area. Man. And... Uh, my grandparents got me started as a little kid. I mean, I used to cover my face like this. Are they blooding yet? Are they blooding yet? So here I am where, where they walked down the aisle. It wasn't like Poughkeepsie, but it was just a Cobo Arena in Detroit. And uh, so we'd stand right there just trying to get a glimpse of these guys in real life. You know, they were heroes. And then, like I said, Fast forward to here I am walking in this locker room, not knowing nothing or anyone. And funny you would mention Terry Funk. Terry Funk was the absolute best first impression I got in the business. I'll tell you why. Now, there's me and a couple other little wrestlers, enhancement jobbers, whatever you want to call us. I don't care. You know, we're sitting there in our little chairs, you know, not knowing what to do or anything else because they hadn't come out with the sheep yet, who's working, who or whatever. All we're going to know is we're going to be working. So, uh, and then Jimmy Cornette comes by. I'll and Jimmy Cornette is cracking jokes the whole time. He was the same off screen as he was on. But anyways, so we're sitting there like a bunch of scared little dogs with our tail between our legs. And here walking across the room, Terry Funk. He went up to every one of us, looked us in the eye, shook it. My name's Terry Funk. What's your name? It's so nice to meet you. There wow. you go. Blown away. That was Terry Funk. Absolutely 100%. Cornette was, well, I love Jimmy Cornette. Um, I worked, question. I think every There's one of his factions of the Midnight Expresses, you know. There's and, a question here for you, Randy. Oh, can you tell us a road story or three that stand out in your mind? <laughs> three. <laughs> he's, he's he's probably looking for something. Uh, yeah, no, something. Big Daddy, we're ring, we're leaving Ring Rats for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So, anyways, oh. I lost my train of thought. Anyways, so we're, we're in there, and, and uh, Jimmy Cornette comes by, and I'm going to work him and. Of course, the, the guys, until they got to know you, probably like you, they're very standoffish. You know, it's maybe they're maybe they're trying to feel you out uh, to see how much of a mark you are or whatever. But uh, like I said, Terry Funk broke that ice. And then I'm working uh, Midnight Express and got to know Jimmy. And what they did when they were putting the matches together early in the day, some of the older guys actually – had a small say so in who they were working. Okay. Now up there, you know, the Mario Mancini, who was famous in WWF, we had the George South, okay, pretty much uh with the right. NWA WCW in there. 
So you would get guys like Flair and that they would say, put me with him, put me with him. And they would get it, you know? Right, right, right. But only after you paid, and not paid your dues, but kind of paid your time. And they got to know you that, that first of all, you're not going to be no crybaby. You're not going to whine. If you get stiff, if they break your jaw in 10 places, you go up to them after the match. Thank you. You know, respect. Um, and that, that was the secret to working steady. Isn't it? Maurice, guys, if one of them got an attitude, and I seen Eddie Gilbert one day, um, a guy wasn't selling for Eddie, a, a TV show. Eddie Gilbert come back and busted that guy up against the wall. He said, I don't want to see this son of a bitch ever again. And you never did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's when Eddie had a single with Missy Hyatt. But uh, so anyways, because I, I I did what they wanted me to do, I was respectful all the time. Jimmy said, well, put us with Hogan. So now all of a sudden, Midnight Express, I was like one of their guys that they would want to work with. Because I wasn't that heavy. I was about maybe 220. But luckily, I had a trainer like Mario Mancini who taught me how to take bumps in that correctly. Okay. <laughs> now I'm paying for it right now. Okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, me too. I didn't get hurt. If I did get hurt, I didn't whine or didn't cry about it. Thank them. Right. And whoever was booking at the time, J.J. Dillon was up when I was first going in there, went through the Eric Bischoff thing and all them guys. But um, it was just so nice where Ric Flair, okay? Now, again, you and San Martino was kind of me and Flair, okay? So I'm walking down the hall at, at one of the matches, and Flair's coming toward me. Shit, what do I do? Do I look at him? I say hi to him. So hard. You know? So hard. So he's he's not a he's not a friend of the show at the moment. Right. We're walking down. I'm walking down the aisle. And Rick says, Hi Randy. Fuck, you know my name? You know, Randy, you called me Rick Flair, call me Randy. And other guys like that. Sting was that way. Sting at the time was he was doing a singles thing, but him and Luger were uh tagged up. Both of them very – I laugh about Luger because I didn't have a problem with him, but Luger definitely lived his role, okay? The narcissist, he loved himself. He absolutely yeah. did, you know? Um, so I worked with him and I worked with Sting uh, a couple times, and then again, same thing. Well, let us work with Hogan because we can throw him around and he won't bitch about or complain about nothing. So, so that's how it ended up being basically a, a full-time job. And you never know who's watching you. Again, I'm sure you tell your kids out there, you know, if, if you're in front of 20 people or 20,000 people, you never know who that number 19 or 20. Well, yeah, you put out the same, you put out the same effort. And oh. so, look, I, I just want to take a minute to explain um, the Guardian of Chaos Big Daddy. So this is what happened. So he knew that this show was going on. So this guy researches like crazy. I mean, he does his homework. I mean, he's a really wrestling historian, everything. So 
that's why he's got the specific question. Question, Randy, what was it like to work with uh, to work Ivan Koloff? Because obviously he did all of his research he needed to do on on Randy Hogan. Well, there is a reason. There's a reason that they called him Uncle Ivan. He was like everybody's uncle, grandfather. He was the sweetest, sweetest man. You know, you would never know. And as far as working him, light as a feather. I worked him in all the different Russian factions when Barry Darso was in there and he had Nikita Koloff. My brother, right there. There. My brother right Darso, there. is he a trip? I love him. I, I did a, I was at a, a convention with him last year with him and Needy both. And Barry is such a nice gentleman. And again, you know, I know all the gimmicks that he ever worked. And again, here I am and now I'm almost 60 years old, you know, doing a, uh, still geeking out over him, Barry Darso. And I had just had some surgery and then hobbling around with that, but he was right there to help me all. He was the nicest man, him and Bill. I had such a good time traveling with them. But yeah, I uh, mean, the highlight of my convention is going to be with Mario Manson. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I, um, you know, about six years ago, I picked up a hobby because I started, uh, unfortunately, started living alone, and I started, I started baking. <laughs> I went and through that the, five times. The, yeah, <laughs> I did three, so I, I, I started baking, and I, I was bringing them to the conventions, and I was giving them to Barry and Billy. So now, when I get to a convention and Barry and Billy's there, they both look and go. <laughs> I go, guys, I got it for you. Don't worry about it. I got it for you. But but this is this is kind of um, it, it gives me goosebumps because it is so similar. It's like I had the same experience shortly in that same hallway gig with Hogan, and he's just walking down the hallway all by himself, and I'm like, oh shit! So he goes to walk by me. He goes, hey, I'm in. What's going on? And he gives me a high five. I don't know. Shit! I didn't even think. For the entire time I was there, and even when I see him now, he has never called me Mario, not one time. Uh, He was the only one that just calls me Eminem, what's going on? That's it. That's that's all he calls me. So it's it's so so similar. Um, You know, know, August 9th. He is one that I've never been able to meet. You've never met Hogan. He lives an hour from me now. Okay. When when he was in up north, okay, I was down south. He came down WCW territory, okay, and I just started doing some spotty jobs and I bought a couple of restaurants at the time. But uh, you know, people say, gee, are you his brother? Are you his cousin? You know, why'd you steal his gimmick and all this? Eh, I didn't. My first convention I ever did, I don't know, four or five years ago, was a big event in New York. And the vendor that brought me in called me out of the clear blue. I ain't heard nothing about wrestling in 20-some years. He said, you want to do a convention? Well, shit, I didn't know there was such a thing. So I said, well, yeah, what is it? He said, well, he said, I'll fly you in, give you a room, feed you, pay you X amount of dollars, you know, and then fly you home. I said, wow, that sounds like fun. And he said, I never I never dressed in the, in the random mania or the Hogan gimmick whatsoever. I had a black velvet robe with turquoise trunks, turquoise boots. Always went as Randy Hogan, 
which was given to me anyways. Um, but people can't believe, well, where does he think about you doing this gimmick? Well, the only affirmation I ever got with him was maybe two years ago. Again, we were in Rome, Georgia at a convention with Jimmy Hart. And, uh, or no, it was in Albany. They had, yeah, big well, events. That's his right-hand man, Jimmy, so. Yeah. So anyways, and Jimmy was at a table right directly across from me. And I was sitting there, me and Barry Horowitz was next to me also, Mr. Hughes. So I said, you know, I got to do it. So I walked across when it was slow. I said, Jimmy, can I get a picture taken with you? Sure, brother, come on. You know, Jimmy, he's always like a like a like a, a hamster on crack or something, you know. Yeah, baby, really come on, baby, come on, yeah, come on, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, you know, just very respectful. And Jimmy, thank you so much. I said, but you know, I was a little bit nervous because I know that you know you're really tight with Hogan. You got other business dealings with him other than just wrestling. And uh, and people ask me, and you know, what what does he think of me working off his gimmick type thing? And uh, Jimmy said, look, he laughed. He said, you know, not that you're the topic of conversation, but he's well aware of you. He said, anytime that he's like, he went the NWO thing kind of started healing. Then I, I did on the indie circuit, man, but I started healing. So, uh, he said, you've never gotten in any controversy. I always kept your nose clean, you know, and everything else. So he says, we have no problem doing what you're doing. He said, you just keep on going. He says, I love the gimmicks. He said, we love the – again, you know, it's like seeing Ric Flair for the first time. His Jimmy Hart, you know. I mean, he's attached at the hip to Hogan. But we never – oh, there you are. Popped off, popped on. But we never lost it for a second. All signs. Yeah. So when he came to WCW, uh, they had this big ticker tape parade, you know, at uh, MGM Studios, I think it was. And actually, I was working, um, just doing some independent little stuff around town on that. And uh, I owned a restaurant. Oh. Plus, I worked for a radio station. I had a little two-minute chameleon thing where I would just give like like the old dirt sheets, you know. Well, I get an old dirt sheet and I just rattle off some of the stuff so I thought it was important. Mm -hmm. So anyways, when Hogan's having this uh, uh, press conference, they said, hey, do you want to go? I said, yeah. I went. So there I was and it shows me with my little notepad and everything right in front of the stage with him up there doing his thing. So people thought I was a plant or whatever else. But no, I really worked for a radio station. I was really doing an article on it. And I swear, maybe it's just me wanting it so much, but I was maybe not three rows back standing. You know, he's on a big stage and everything. Yes, yeah, Cedar Creek, Marlon. Cedar River and Cedar Creek. You got it, brother. He really does know yeah. everything. Right. Yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah, he Anyways, does. Uh, Incredible so, guest, too, as you know. Yes. yes. So... Hogan's doing this, looking down, and I swear he made eye contact with me. <laughs> oh, he did. Of, and just kind of a, a nod. Not a full acknowledgement, but in my eyes, he did. He invited me to dinner and to go out with his daughter. You know, I mean, it was <laughs> wonderful. So that was one of my big, my big mark on moments in that, you know. Randy, I've you got know, a question. I've got go a ahead. question for you. Um, 
about the time when you the mouth, but I get excited. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. About the time remember you went into WWF as Scott Colton. Mario. Yeah. Do you know what Scott year was Colton? that? Do you know Scott think... Colton, Mario? Yeah. I have a question about that. Is the rumors true that they made you uh shave off the tash? The truth is, I was never Scott Colton, nor was he me. Mm-hmm. Same same uh, turquoise trunks and boots. Um, he shaved the mustache off, same blonde hair. Mine was a little bit longer than his. Um, where that guy, that's that Wikipedia stuff or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. somebody put that mm-hmm. on, whatever else. But no. I never met Scott Colton. He probably laughs the same thing about me, you know. But how did how did you two guys? How did Mario Mancini and Randy Hogan never meet? Well, different territories. You, you see, I, I was the guy that was carrying the bags off the bus. Okay, and, and Mario was 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 up with the big guys going in that no. room. <laughs> no, listen, and everything. Yeah, listen. You want to talk about a great rib? A really a really good friend of mine has has just walked into my office, right? And he picked up on something. It was so funny. I was crying. Now I I had a match with Kamala, and Andre came out during the match with Kamala. And I, you know, I did the job for Kamala. And what they cut off at the end of the match is Andre walking me back to the dressing room. Then I had a match with Bad News Brown. And and Andre was introduced because it was first time back right after he did the Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. It was his first night in return to back to the WWF. So they introduced him out there. He came in and shook my hand and everything. And and the referee's hand. And of course, Bad News was a heel. He would shake his hand. And bad news went over on me, uh, of course, there. So my, my buddy Lou texts me and he goes, let me ask you something. Why did he leave you hanging twice? <laughs> I goes, why did Andre? I go, you know what? That's a good question. <laughs> I go, that's a good question. He goes, he's, the guy stood there watching you get the shit knocked out of you twice. Why did he die? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, but. Listen, Hogan, Hogan, um, I mean, Hogan, Hogan was all right. I mean, um, he was, he was very controlling. Um, there's so many stories. I mean, Maurice on a podcast like this, I mean, we could, we could easily go to nine o'clock easily. Um, you know, not wanting to do a job for Bret Hart and, you know, not want to put him over. And, you know, when when I remember when Bundy came in, when Chris came in, I was his debut match. And I was sitting next to SD and I'm like, Jesus, who's that? And they said, it's new meat for Hogan. Gang would come in, new meat for every big guy that came in that they were going to give a big push to. They were labeled as new meat for Hogan. Now, let me tell you something. If he was Colton... They would have let him, they would have had him shave that mustache off. Let me tell you something. There were only two places, Maurice, two. You get your boots from B&A Boot Company in Paris, Arkansas. There was nowhere else to get them. And you got your trunks from K&H, Carla and Hildegard, and uh, it was in Ohio. That's where you got, and back in the 80s, that's where you got your gear. Unless you were able to know a seamstress that'll make your stuff custom. Those are the two places where you get them from. So 
I'm all happy. I see Salvatore Belomo's sport and his stuff and everything. I go, I'm going to do it too. So I order a pair of Italian flag trunks. Right? So I order a pair of Italian trunks. Green, white, and red. Red, white, and green. Whatever. I put them on. All right. She comes walking past me to go to the men's room. And he looks at the he looks at my trunks and he goes, ah, 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 Mancini, Mancini. I go, yeah, Sheik. You wear Sheiky colors. I go, what? You wear Sheiky. Those are Sheiky's colors, brother. I go, no, Sheiky, it's the Italian flag. No, no, Mancini. Those Sheiky colors. I said, no, Sheiky, it's the Italian Pat! Pat, I go, what are we in the third grade? Pat, here comes Pat Patterson. I'm walking over. Pat Mancini, he wears chicky. He wears chicky colors. Pat looks at my dress. He goes, Yeah, Mario, I can't wear those. I go, What? He goes, You can't wear those. So you, let me tell you something. If they had me take off a pair of Italian color flags, they would have had to shave him shave that off in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, they would have had him shave that off. Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of the guys, too, they would uh, they'd change their name, whatever, you know. Yeah. I may be Randy Mancini, you know, or uh, Maurice Hogan on the next show, whatever else. But years later, this was just prior to getting into the Monday Night Wars and stuff. So... They never, I always did the Hogan. I always had the mustache, it was blonde hair, everything else, getting jobbed. But the reason why I didn't have to change my name in that was they wanted to show their superiority off over the Hogan's of up north, you know, the Hulk Hogan. This is what we do to Hogan's down here. So, you know, pin me, pay me type of thing, and which was fine. But, uh, but that's why I never, ever changed my name. I was Randy Hogan from day one, and I got that name. A promoter gave me that up in some little bar up in Athens, Georgia. There was maybe 10 drunk soldiers out there. We wrestled in front of And it was my very first match. And uh, the promoter says, you know, well, what's your name? I said, well, Randy Franklin, because my dad's name was Frank. And uh, he said, well, we're going we're gonna to call you. Hal Hogan. You look a little bit like that Hogan, so we're going to make you his cousin or his uncle or his nephew or something. And I said, well, whatever you want. But can we not do the Hal? I don't know who the hell they're talking about, you know? So let's just go with the Randy. So that's actually how Randy Hogan got started. It's not like I was stealing his gimmick. This didn't happen until I had the story started earlier when I had went to the big event, my first convention, and the vendor brought me in and said, hey, do you have any of that Hogan gimmick stuff? Because all I had was my turquoise in there. I said, no, but I'll damn sure get some. So luckily, I have a good friend who's a, a printer. And he did Randomania t-shirts. Um, so I had three or four different colors made. I bought some of these little skull caps and bandanas and, and uh, 50 cents a pair for uh, sunglasses and everything. And that's how that all got started. I had these beautiful turquoise boots. 
Now, they were custom made. I don't know who made them. A guy in Mexico, okay? Um, I didn't have a DNA and even my trunks. Do you remember a guy named Ken Timms? He sounds familiar. Yeah, he was one of the original Hollywood blondes in that. Anyway, his wife made my first and only pair of trunks. I went through my whole career with one pair of trunks. Come on! Come on! Let me tell you. It wasn't maybe... Ten years ago, I live in this like I live in a senior community here. Okay, so they got a Halloween contest. So oh. Halloween. So well, I got all my stuff. So I pull my robe out. I couldn't get them trunks up past my thighs because they were they were so small. Man, oh my god! But uh, yeah, true story. So I had uh, the boots were made because I wanted turquoise. And Ric Flair is the only one that I ever saw had a turquoise pair of boots. So guy who trained me, Ted Oates, Ted Jerry Oates, they were big in the South. Anyways, he um, and took measurements and sent them out to this little guy in Mexico. And I, my only pair of boots I ever had, I carried them right on through up until two years ago. And I mean, I didn't wow. know conventions. Are they gonna? It's gonna be a one-shot or deal or whatever. So I wasn't gonna buy any new boots, but I had to do the red and yellow type thing. Um, so I took these beautiful turquoise patent leather boots, and had a, a lady that does this kind of stuff change the color. Thirteen coats of acrylic yellow paint. It took to color these. Wow. So. So I still, and you'll see them, brother, the original boots, the original trunks. Well, if you work for Scott Wilder Promotions, man, you'll be jumping all over the country with this guy. He he does a lot of conventions. He's a good guy to work with. I love him. I worked with him before. Um, My wife actually helped him out. He's the best. But yeah, he's the he's the best. It's like what I what because I never did these things either. Until Joe Bruin with the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame got a hold of me in 2013. I said, a what? He, I go, nobody wants to see me. I'm not going to one of those things and embarrassing myself. Nobody wants to see a job. Or he goes, no, you're wrong. And his is the only one I've done until Scott got a hold of me. But going on the road with Scott, it's... <laughs> I've seen videos. Yeah, it's just like going on with one of the boys. There's no, there's no, there's no difference. You know what I mean? The only difference is, is, you know, he doesn't have a pair of boots and trunks. He didn't have a wrestling career. It doesn't matter because he's got, you know, two by fours and tire irons in the back. He'll beat the hell out of you with anyway. (laughs) I think, I think the last time, the last time you called me. Human demolition. The last time you called me. Yeah. The last time you called me from. You guys been on the road. Paul Roma told me, I'm not going to do your podcast. You stay in your mother's basement. Now he's done two yeah, shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, working working for Scott is 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 fantastic. I love him. I love him to death. Um, we, got a, we got a good deal on because, you know, when things are good and when things are a little complicated in my life, when things are good and we just freely go on the road – I'm going to, uh, like I do on all my podcasts, I'm going to tell the honest truth. I don't give a damn about the money. 
You know, I, I, he's my friend. We go on there. We we laugh until we cry. We go to the conventions. We watch all the marks come through. Some of them come all dressed up like Dusty Rhodes and stuff. And, you know, we eat and, you know, he, he, he breaks my balls. I break his. Roma breaks his balls. And it's just a it's it's just a great time. It's just a fantastic time. He's and, one of the few uh, normal guys. Yeah, I, I look forward to just just spending time with him and Roma and and I he and and the beauty of it is is he knows I don't care. I mean, listen, there are no doubt there are there are guys you know guys that are over that this is business to them. You know, they they call a certain payday to go, and they expect that payday, and they don't care if Scott makes his money back or not. All they know is they this is what they said they want to get paid, and that's what they get get paid, and they better get paid that. It's just such a different relationship that I have with him. It's like it where I listen. I'd rather take a friendship over business, and I think that's why we get along so well. Um, but the the similarities, I mean. I'm a little envious because I consider Jim Cornette like a genius in this business, like a genius. And that's yeah. the only time I met him and talked to him. And I, I would have loved to to be, be a daily part of him, just to pick his brain, you know what I mean? Just to be around him and learn from him, you know what I mean? So, so you being around Cornette all that time, man, I wish I had that. At the same time, you know, I had Strongbow, I had Arnold Skolin, I had Gorilla Monsoon. I mean, you know, Skolin one night, I was working with Leap and Lanny Poffo, and um, and it was a house show, and his finish was a flying cross body press off the top rope. So I took the bump, and I got up, and I started walking toward the rope, walking toward the corner like the zombie. Mm-hmm. And he comes off, and he hits me with flying body press, and the crowd goes, so I go back to the dressing room and Skolin goes, amazing stuff, Randy, amazing what you learn. Skolin goes, come here. I said, well, what's up, Barney? Everything okay? He goes, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow night after you take the bump, when you get up, start walking backwards toward the corner. He, I, he goes, put up your leg high to turn around. And he looked at uh, Lanny He said, when he puts up his leg, take off off the top rope. By the time he turns around, you'll you'll hit him right there. And I I was walking backwards. I put up that leg, and the minute I turned, he hit me, and he got the three, and the place went, whoa! And I went, I'm laying down, and I'm going, holy shit. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. I'm like, I, I can't believe the difference. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't believe the difference between last night and tonight just from that. You know what I mean? So, because as I teach my students with with tackles and and stuff like that, I go, listen, you got to walk into a tackle or something off the top rope because if you see the freight train coming ahead of time, are you going to stand there and wait to get hit by the train? Are you going to get out of the way? So you can't just stand there and wait for it, right? So it, you know, it, it's it it was an amazing experience. You know, I wish I could have went where you were. For a week, and I wish I could have been where you were, where I was for a week. You know what I mean? Because it was, especially with Andre and everything. It's like I I was told, wait till Andre talks to me first. Don't talk to him first. You know, um, you know, and you had the junkyard dog, and I, I owe S. D. Jones. I owe S. D. Jones everything. 
everything. What you were you were good with dog? Uh, he I never laughed so much during a match. You know, he'd been talking about uh, somebody rat in the front row or something. You know, said, "Why don't you give the dog a bone? Dog gotta have a bone." You know, and he's doing all this shit while he's doing his power slam or whatever things was. You know, just had you cracking up the whole time. Yeah, but let me again, ask you something. Did he ever make fun of Rocky Johnson when he was with you? Never. Oh, you got to see him do Rocky Johnson because Rocky was the most pigeon-toed wrestler in the business. You had to see him do Rocky. He did a good Rocky Johnson, man. Oh, he did a great Rocky Johnson. Wow. You know, being around Tony Atlas and all those guys, it, you know, Big Daddy asked the question. I, it wasn't particularly my favorite thing to do. Um, I didn't have a good experience working with the Nasty Boys. I really I, – I wasn't pleased doing it. Um I, I think they disregarded again another a, a kind of people that disregard the jobbers a little stiff, you know what I mean? I don't know what you experienced with them, but a little stiff. Oh. Um, more knobs than Sags. Sags was okay. If I think he was the good one, it, it was just knobs was just real. I mean, I say hello to him when I see him and everything, and he's been in bad health, but. Um, and, and don't just please Scott Wilder. Don't even come up on the screen. All right. That's just a, a rib between you and us, you and I. Um, but he was a little stiff, you know what I mean? I don't know what you, I don't know what you remember, but to answer big daddy's question, you work, you worked with the nasty boys, right? I did. Kathy. Excuse me. Kathy. Thank you, my attention. He, he still has one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Four. Jesus. He does kind of look like Hogan. He does kind of look like Hogan, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah. Does well, look I, like him. Let me no, tell you, no, sister. No. Answer that door. Yeah, yeah, he does look like him. You know what no, they no. should have did? You no, know what Hulk, they, Hulk Hogan looks like Randy Hogan. Well, yeah, yeah, listen, they do so many screwed up things. The, it would have been over so big if they just brought you in with, with Gilbert. Yeah, with, Gilbert. yeah, with yeah, it, on Hogan's side. You know what? It would have been great if Hogan's music started, and and would have had the fans. Would have had the fans right here because he would he would have came out, and they would have they would have been they would have got it at first. They still would have done the. He would have had to get three quarters into the ring. Before people went, what? You know what I mean? And it would have been something. They should have did a tag team with them or something. It, it would have. They it would it would have went over. It, they would have bought it. It's like Howard Finkel used to say to Pat Patterson. I'd be sitting there listening. You go, Pat. Just every now and then, every now and then, just have a jobber go over. And just. A guy that's over, just have him get him by surprise in a small package, just every now and then, and they just wouldn't buy into it. They just wouldn't buy into it. So, nice. you know, we need to do a part two on this, Maurice. And and we left out Edgeline. Yeah, I I didn't get a chance to talk about Edgeline, which is very important, very important to me to talk about Edgeline. Okay, so what we're what we're gonna do is because like I'm pushed for time tonight, as you know. Because All right, here we go. Another one. Do you know who we are, brother? Do you oh, realize I know. who you're talking yeah. to right here? <laughs> Maurice doesn't oh. give two shits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's he's an Irishman. He doesn't give a yeah. folk. 
<laughs> but what I want to do before we go is plug what you're doing this weekend where you're going to meet. Is it going to be for the first time in person this weekend? It, it, I have a glitch. I'm trying to work out with Scott when it comes to my daughter. So I'm trying to get there and, and see if I could leave on a Friday. I don't, I'm mm-hmm. not too sure. Um, my daughter said I had some complications up in Prescott, Maine. But it, you know what? You don't have to worry about that because when I tell you that Scott Wilder has become a, a, a brother to me, there's no doubt he will call me tonight and say, Mancini, if you have a problem, I will make damn sure on the next wrestling convention that you and Randy are together. In fact, I want to sit at the same table. I want to share a table with him. Me too. I want to share a table with him. One table, not two I tables. I can't wait. I want to walk in. I want to share a table with Okay, the stratosphere is full. Everybody's looking for Mancini and Hogan. Yeah. And Mancini strutting down the aisle. And who's behind him carrying his little carpet bags? You know. That's what I'm looking for at WrestleCade, baby. Mancini has never fought Hogan. Only in Battle Royals. Mm. Wow. Only in Battle In fact, Hogan and I had a thing for about four Battle Royals. I said, I only want you to throw me out. <laughs> he said, okay. But yeah, so I stayed away from Andre all the time. But um I didn't get to tell that story either when I, I, I froze because I didn't know there was a Legends Battle Royal. I had no idea. I had no clue. And Bobo Brazil came in, Killer Kowalski came in, okay. Um, Strongbow came in, and then after Strongbow, Bruno came in, and I was in the ring. I was like, I SD Jones was I wasn't selling for him. He goes, "What's wrong with you?" I go, "I'm in the ring with Bruno. I can't <laughs> believe he's." I, I like I went nuts. I couldn't believe it. So, God, we um, get so many stories, don't we? So yeah. many stories. Uh, big, big Daddy, my I, story. Talk about listen, it. Big Dad. If you want to, if you want to manage myself and Hogan, we will work again. But we ain't taking any bumps. <laughs> Not me. one. I won't why don't you long. why don't you work against uh Roma and Ric Flair? Against two Roma. of the horsemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and Flair's the same age, so that'd work. <laughs> Book it Scott Wilder. Book it Scott Wilder promotions. Yeah. All right, Maurice, I don't want to get you stressed out. Yeah. Randy, it was an honor, man. It really was. I couldn't wait to All do this. Oh my Mario, I'm so looking forward think- to the weekend. I and think I, we'll I do this again you, next week. Do your yeah, daughter I hope thing, so but yet I want to see you an extra day there too. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I hope so too. Well, um, we got to do part two. There's so much more. There's two. There's so much more. I didn't even get to ask you the sheet. I told you. Yeah. You didn't believe I, me. You got to cover it. I know, but I always have to make sure. <laughs> right, guys. Thanks a million for tonight, and it was right, absolutely guys. brilliant listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys.